Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello and welcome to Reliscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions in life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host Aditi Kuti, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to our show. My name is Aditi Kuti. Um, I'm your host and I'm joined today by Dr. Martha Tara Lee, a sexologist. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm a relationship counselor and clinical sexologist. I've been practicing for 13 years and uh, I'm from Singapore. I'm born and bred Singaporean, Chinese. And I got my studies, my doctorate in human sexuality from San Francisco. And I also have a master's in counseling and uh, two other degrees. So yeah, most of my work is uh, working with individuals and couples with regards to their relationship and sexuality challenges, issues, concerns. Um, a lot of the people actually coming to me are uh, seeking this specialized uh, knowledge that I have around sexuality. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely, I was reading through your bio and you've got a lot of experience on it. You also have a radio show where you give advice. Yes, yeah, so um, my uh, podcast, radio show, um, TV show as well, uh, yeah, it's called Eros Evolution, so you can uh, look it up. Uh, it's where I uh, interview different people regarding the topic of relationship and sexuality. We're definitely going to talk a lot more about relationships and sexuality in a minute, but before we kind of get into that, um, I want to kind of get to know you a little bit, get to know our guests. Um, I'm just going to share, I'm just going to throw out some keywords at you and you can share like the first thing that comes to your head um, when I say them. Is that all good? Okay. <laughs> no pressure. Uh, just the, no one's going to judge you. This is a judgment-free zone. Um, what about a favorite book? Uh, favorite book? Oh, I don't know. I guess it has to be my book, uh, Orgasmic Yoga. I have four books and... Uh... Yeah, my favorite book is my book um, because it has um, helped a lot of people and um, I'm, I've been getting uh, good feedback and reviews for it. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I read a lot of books come and go, but I think there's nothing you love more than your own book. <laughs> I think it's always a good sign when you love your own book. It means you've produced something good because we tend to be so critical of ourselves when we create things. So it's always a good sign. <laughs> yeah, I'm really proud of um, that, that book in particular. Sure. What about a favorite movie? Favorite movie? Oh my god! Um, well, the first one that comes to mind is the Notebook. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm really into uh, love and romance. I watch uh, romance movies. Uh, I've watched every single romance movie on Netflix. Um, yeah, I'm a, I, I love love actually. <laughs> Even the Kissing Booth. <laughs> yeah, I watch Kissing Booth. Yeah. Um, was it the? The second or the third uh, one that came out, yeah, I watched all of them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many there are anymore. I think they're probably going to go till there's about five of them. Um, yeah. Uh, what about a favorite podcast? Uh, favorite podcast? Um, I'm I'm actually not a very auditory person, to be honest. Uh, so I I really really hate listening to podcasts. Uh, the only way I can finish a podcast if is if I can uh, put it on double speed. 
being a very uh, kinesthetic uh, sensory person, like I really need to be able to see, feel and touch. And so just being able to hear is, is just kind of hell for me. So that's why my show is um, audio and video option is, is much better for me. So I don't, I don't really listen to podcasts if I can help it. Um, oh yeah, but but having said that, sorry, um, I do listen to uh, clearly clearly clinical clearly mm-hmm. clinical. Uh, they do have podcasts. They do provide uh, CE, and uh, it's it's a form of continuing education for me. So yeah, I do listen to that podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, I can I can put it on double speed, so it really helps me a lot. Uh, when it's on double speed, it helps my mind to like um, be better able to stay focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, de- I definitely relate to that putting especially like videos on double speed. Sometimes I just process a lot more at a shorter amount of time. And I feel like I'm not processing anything when it's at normal speed. So I get that. Yeah, we I think we get bored easily. Uh, nowadays, uh, everything in on is on like uh, double speed or like um, nowadays people are developing uh, less of this uh, attention. Um, yeah shorter attention span and it helps us to be more engaged because our brain actually works faster than our eyes mm. uh so so yeah yeah um what about a famous role model famous role model okay um uh, eleanor roosevelt okay. for sure that's a big eleanor one roosevelt. yeah yes um she she was uh, the first lady of uh, america and uh, she went through a very difficult time she was uh, wasn't born very attractive uh, her husband cheated on her uh, and yet uh, she was really the uh, princess diana of the time uh, in fact um, i would say more like hillary clinton where she was a force uh, of her own right and um, she has uh, said some very famous uh, quotable quotes, uh, one of which is uh, you grow something along the lines of you grow every single time you look fear in the eye. And um, uh, her quotes really um, supported me through very some, some very difficult times of my life. And it has also encouraged me to uh, be the person that I am today, to be more uh, outspoken, to be a person of integrity, to uh, speak up. So uh, she, she, even though she's deceased, I never met her, never will. But uh, she's always been an inspiration for me. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, Eleanor Roosevelt is a pretty cool person. Um, what about the last course you've completed? Oh my God, there's so many. Uh, I, I I can't even count because I, I remember like, um, was it earlier this week? Uh, I just went on a binge. So I finished like five programs in one day. So each oh. one was like a either a podcast or online webinar. Uh, so yeah, so that's what I do. Uh, I think nowadays, because a lot of things are either free or very affordable, uh, you can uh, pretty much learn a lot of things online. And uh, as a practitioner myself, um, we have to keep up to date with our skills and knowledge. And uh, I love learning, like learning is one of my highest values. So so yeah, recently I did this like a binge um, learning. So I did five in one day, but uh, one comes to mind, um, sex education for um, uh, neurodiversity, sex education for neurodiverse people or something like that. That's mm-hmm. the title. Um, because I do work with people with um, intellectual disability and um, um, yeah, specifically intellectual disability. And uh, so um, I, I wanted to watch that particular training and uh, it, was, it was useful for me. 
Yeah, um, there's a lot, I think, of more info coming out about how neurodivergent people engage with sex. And it's, I feel like there's very, very little done in the past. So it's really nice that a lot of that info is coming out now. Yes, uh, it's, it's quite specialized. So I really had to look high and low before I got access to uh, some places that uh, have this training, this mm. particular training. And uh, the training just never ends. So yeah, <laughs> I just keep studying. That's always the best way. Um, all right, uh, we've gotten to know you now. Uh, let's move on, I guess, to our main topic of the day, which is sexual routines. That's something that you specialize in um, and do a lot in your work. Um, I guess let's start off really broad. What is a relationship? How would you describe a relationship? Um, I Well, you know, uh, a relationship is anything that occurs between two people or more. Um, it's, it's when you interact in relation with someone. It can be in your intimate capacity, mm-hmm. whether it's with your inner circle, your family members, uh, your lovers, and uh, socially, we also interact with people. So we are in relationship with people uh, all the time, uh, everywhere we are. Um, and when we hear the word, uh, words being in a relationship, it, it specifically refers to people that you are in a romantic uh, and or sexual relationship with. Uh, yeah, so that's how I would describe a relationship. Right. And would you say that the term relationship, especially romantic relationships, do you think they hold the same weight that now that they might have maybe a few decades ago? I think um, relationship is what you make of it. And um, I personally feel that because of COVID, a lot of us have had a wake up call about our priorities and what's mm-hmm. important, what values we hold in our lives. Uh, because when uh, COVID hit and uh, there was a lot of uncertainty about the future and our careers, our work, uh, a lot of people started to re-examine what's important. So yeah. there was this uh, great resignation, right, that was happening in the US and also in Asia. So what's happening is people are really looking at the quality of life because there are really a lot of uncertainties. And I have also um, met with people who are questioning about uh, the future and what that means for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, including whether they want to have kids. More people are questioning about it, I think, because of COVID, because of climate changes. Yeah. Um, it's not just something that you talk about nowadays. You actually mm-hmm. feel it and see it uh, in the weather, in the extreme weather changes. So I feel that relationships are becoming more important because it is a big sense of who we are. But I think the way relationships um, have to be uh, mm-hmm. probably is up to all of us uh, to define for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel like maybe because relationships are kind of more important or because the pandemic might make us take it more seriously that people are a bit more anxious and a lot more careful and taking steps in their relationships? I think so. I think so. Because there was um, um, articles that I came across that um, because of COVID, mm-hmm. uh, people are examining who they want to spend their quality time with because mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to risk having so many partners and then um, increase your chances of catching COVID. So people are a lot more mindful uh, who they are seeing or who they choose to spend time with, uh, including myself. So I I think um, um, it's it's really, it, I think, you know, you can look at the negative side of COVID, but you can also look at the other aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. How would you define then a couple's routine? <laughs> Okay, a routine is um, 
as uh, something that uh, you do regularly uh, and uh, it's kind of established. Mm -hmm. So a routine can be something as simple as what you do when you uh, wake up, um, how you go about your day. Mm -hmm. uh, like, you know, first thing you wake up, maybe you go to the bathroom and then you brush your teeth. Some people might exercise. Some people might read a book. Some people might make their coffee or breakfast. Some people might go to the gym. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to a couple's routine, uh, these are the same things, like what they do as a couple. Right. So for instance, like um, uh, kissing before you sleep, that's a routine. Mm -hmm. It could be uh, celebrating uh, birthdays in a particular way every year mm -hmm. or anniversary. And uh, it's really up to them to come up with their own routines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Do you feel like perhaps, you know, stuff like you mentioned, kissing before going to sleep, is that something that you should kind of schedule in or plan in? Or do you feel like it's something that is better seen as spontaneous? Because I think culturally, I feel like that's the kind of thing you just romantically, you should feel compelled to do it um, as opposed to forcing yourself. But. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of people who like to argue about that. Uh, so for instance, uh, many couples counsellors, they uh, recommend uh, sharing a daily uh, six-second kiss. Mm -hmm. So six seconds. Mm -hmm. So what happens is uh, six seconds will allow you uh, to relieve, uh, release uh, in certain uh, endorphins mm -hmm. that will help to boost your mood and foster connection. So yes, you can say uh, it's just a routine. I shouldn't be doing it. It's contrived. I shouldn't have to say I love you all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but I think these are the little things that actually anchors the relationship and keeps the bond uh, between the two people strong. Mm -hmm. So yes, uh, we do like um, a life to be full of spontaneity and variety and needs to be like fun and interesting but not everybody are like that mm -hmm. so i like to call um you know i mean for lack of uh, i i guess to make sense of the world like to divide it into two types of people like one is a more spontaneous person who likes more variety and one is more of a routine person who likes more stability so what happens is in a lot of relationships that I've um, um, met and couples that I've worked with, um, opposites tend to attract. So very often, uh, I will have an introvert and an outro, uh, extrovert. Yeah. I will have somebody who talks a lot more, who is a more of a verbal communicator versus someone who's more of a thinker, who talks a lot less. Mm -hmm. I'll have a morning person and a night person. I'll have a person with a higher sex drive, a person with a lower sex drive. And then I have someone who's like bought, you know, uh, from having sex in the same way to somebody who actually prefers it to be the same way and sees nothing wrong with it. So a lot of times, um, people are opposites and there's no right or wrong. I feel that uh, whatever works, uh, for the people in the relationship, it's really important to honor that. So if somebody um, likes the routine, I think it's really important to ask them why, how it makes them feel, uh, why is it important to them? Because it's less about who you are and what you like and you are in relationship with someone. So it's about valuing and honoring what that person likes because that person is in your life and that person is important to you. So we relate in different ways with different people. So if this person likes this thing and you care about this person, then you would do what that person would like you to do with them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. How, how would someone go about finding a routine? Like, obviously, there's so many different kinds of ways that you can build one. How does someone find a routine that's right for them or a couple find a routine that's right for them? Yeah, I, I think um, uh, a lot of people actually um, always ask questions around like um, 
what should I do? I don't know what to do. I don't know what I like. And uh, what happens is I invite my clients to go deeper into what do they think they like? What are they curious about trying? And then from the trying, then they know how much they like it or not like it. Because intuitively, um, whether it's our brain or our heart, I think there's something inside us that uh, is wired to solve uh, uh, problems. And so when you drop that question into your body, like what would I like to try? What, do, what kind of routine would I like to have? What feels good in a relationship? Uh, how, what, what should we be doing so that we can stay connected? Um, often it was just emerge organically by itself. Mm-hmm. So as a practitioner, it's really important that I don't give answers to clients because what I think will work for me or what has worked for other clients may not work for them. Right. And uh, when I start telling people what to do, uh, what happens, it can start to alienate, alienate them from me because then they think, yeah, she's full of, you know, uh, nonsense or no, you know, she doesn't know what she's talking about. So things like that can happen. So it's really important to support clients to find their own way. So uh, just to give a few more examples of routine besides the uh, six second keys or the keys goodbye or the good night kiss uh it could be something as simple as a sharing a hug um um at certain times of the day let's say uh, when you first meet it could be um saying i love you every day um it could be uh texting each other like a check-in during lunchtime it could be exercising together um or maybe at the end of the day uh committing to spending half an hour together um to uh, talk about your day um, uh, going on uh, certain uh, regular like trips and outings together, having a routine like, for instance, the Saturday night date and uh, maybe like going for your favorite coffee on Sunday morning. Like these are all routines that really keeps the couple uh, uh, going. Mm-hmm. I have uh, clients who um, they, they, they don't really have that. Uh, uh, what happens is they they are married, they have kids, they have, and uh, they they are busy working professionals, and uh, they have their commitments with their uh, family. And uh, what happens is when I ask them about their couple time, uh, then they end up saying things like, "Yeah, we spend a lot of time together." So I want to uh, invite, uh, I guess, listeners to think about: Is your couple time uh, actually just your spare time? <laughs> whatever that is left is the time that you spend with your partner yeah the person just happens to be there and that's not um that's not really a scheduled time where you bring mm-hmm. to the um interaction or the session with intentionality mm-hmm. you know um like if you say that you love your partner why are you giving them the bits and pieces here and there that's right. not quality yeah. time that's just spare time <laughs> So it's about making time for that other person and prioritizing that as opposed to... Yeah, so this is where routine comes in because uh, for lack of time, seriously, like this routine actually acts as little, um, 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 what do you call it, like little um, milestones for the day, I guess I'll call it like little reminders or little um, memory packs, I don't know, (laughs) Uh, touch points, touch points for the day. Yeah. 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 Are they, a lot of these you mentioned are really small and take very little time, but are there kind of perhaps longer routines um, or those that might be involved in sex? Because I I would imagine a sexual routine isn't the kind of thing you can finish. I hope not in five minutes. I hope it takes a bit longer than five minutes. Yes. Uh, So uh, having talked about what routines are and uh, the kind of routines that couples can have outside of the bedroom, then uh, now talking about like sex routines, like what kind of sex routines one can have. So routine sex by itself uh, sounds really boring, uh, just 
the word routine. Yeah. I think a lot of people will be like up at arms at it. Uh, but like I mentioned just now, I do come across couples who are quite different. So uh, often one person in the relationship is okay with routine sex and likes routine sex because being able to know what is what, what goes where, uh, when what happens uh, is by itself very anchoring and uh, uh, grounding. Uh, let's not forget that life by itself is very stressful and challenging and mm. uh, there's ups and downs and there are, there's a lot of uh, things that are unpredictable like uh, COVID or when your kid falls sick or like when your boss uh, calls for a meeting. Like all these things are actually super, super stressful. Mm-hmm. So this is why some people, they may not want to have this uh, uh, spontaneous, uh, you know, like hanging from the chandelier kind of sex. Mm-hmm. Like routine sex is also sex. <laughs> sex is sex. And um, different people will get different levels of enjoyment from it. And it's so important to recognize where you're at, what you're feeling, mm-hmm. and to advocate for yourself. If routine sex is not working, then it's really important to speak up. Okay, but have, having said that, uh, what, what are some routine sex? Uh, so, for instance, um, a lot of clients would, um, if uh, those in heterosexual relationships, uh, they would first make sure the uh, you know person with the vagina, the woman, uh, would uh, have an orgasm, whether it's uh, external play, and then uh, then move on to making sure that the penis is erect, whether it's a hand job, blow job, and then they go on to penetration. Right. So pretty much that's like a standard uh, uh, step-by-step way of how they do it. Mm-hmm. And um, it can be uh, really anchoring and grounding, uh, especially for people who are new to sex. Uh, because once you do anything that is new, uh, uh, new things is going into the unknown. And when you go into the unknown, it can be scary because you mm-hmm. do not know what are the results going to be. So it takes someone who has sexual skills and confidence to be able to kind of go more with the flow. So routines by itself really, really uh, helps people to uh, get a sense of uh, what they're good at and uh, what they're comfortable with. And then from there, being able to explore further. So I don't actually diss anything about sex uh to me like anything that uh, makes you feel good uh we should give ourselves permission to enjoy Mm -hmm. no kink shaming (laughs) no shaming whatsoever (laughs) um so it's almost like you're scheduling time or making time to explore and be spontaneous yeah it's really important to schedule because uh okay so there um uh there's this person uh i can't remember her name specifically but um uh, she came up with this uh, spontaneous versus responsive sexual desire. So spontaneous people, um, I call feel do. They feel like having sex and then they have sex. Mm-hmm. So spontaneous people, uh, by by the word uh, spontaneous, uh, I guess it kind of transfers from when like we feel hungry, we want to eat. Uh, we're tired, we want to sleep. And so we're horny, we want to have sex. Mm-hmm. But what happens when, you are, when you're spontaneous, you feel horny, you want to have sex, but your partner is not available. Mm-hmm. And then they get upset with their partner. They blame their partner. They shame their partner. And it's not like the world, the world revolves around them. So I think that's part of the growing up to realize that spontaneous sex may not work very well because um, I may not be on the same page with my partner. Right. However, when you schedule it, when you schedule it, what happens is uh, both of you, ca- uh, you both of you have the time to make mm-hmm. sure that things that needs to be out of the way so that you can focus on that moment uh, so that uh, sex is more likely to happen. 
So when we have plan sex, what it means uh, to people who live a very busy, uh, high-strung lives or, you know, very, very productive lives with uh, raising kids and, and challenges like that, whether it's uh, taking care of elderly and, and, and other life challenges that we have or studying, um, is that um, when you plan it, you're more likely to maybe um, come prepared mentally. Maybe the body may not really be ready, but mentally you are open to the possibilities of what can unfold. So both of you have blocked out that time, you have cleared your calendar. And also what about people who maybe need, um, because they have lower energy, they get tired easily, uh, maybe it might be useful for them to even schedule space before the day so that they can rest. For instance, let me take a half an hour nap or uh, let me take the day off. (laughs) <laughs> Let me go and uh, take it easier, run some errands, you know, like just go into uh, my body and uh, really um, plan it, for instance. Like if you can plan it, then this is where the lubricants, the sex toys can be charged. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. This is when you can actually make it better. Yeah. It's uh, when you don't plan that you end up like not, not um, doing anything other than routine because... Mm-hmm in order to uh, do something new, you actually need to give it maybe a little bit of thought and you need to be in the mental space for it. So by its very nature, spontaneous, uh, it may invariably just drop into routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and getting into the mental space for it can be kind of a psych up in, it, in and of itself. Yeah, so uh, so just now I spoke, spoke about a spontaneous uh, sexual desire and then there's responsive sexual desire. So responsive sexual desire is when uh, maybe you don't come to the table uh, or bed, uh, horny, and uh, you just start doing. You just start doing, you start making out, kissing, massaging each other, and uh, fondling, uh, stroking. And uh, before you know it, your body has uh, caught up with you and your body actually is awakened and your body actually uh, wants wants it. So this mm. is uh, more for people who are more of like a slower burner kind of a personality. Right, and yeah. um, it's really, really okay. I think it's um, so much shaming to think that um, everybody needs to be the same everybody is different so some people are just slower to warm up there's nothing wrong with it but they need maybe the time the the space the teasing and also the romance as well i i hear of so many women uh who actually uh say that it's really really difficult for them to have sex when they don't feel loved Mm, right yeah um I guess you mentioned that like there's a lot of couples you deal with who are opposites. So there are people who prefer routines. What about the people who don't prefer routines? How do they manage with a partner who does? Yeah, so this is why they cannot understand uh, why it needs to be scheduled and they feel very distraught by Mm. the lack of romance because the, the planning itself is a fact you plan it you put it in a calendar but the their interpretation that the planning takes away the romance so this is when um you know when i have clients in front of me i try to invite them to start to reframe because um you know our wedding let's say for instance the wedding doesn't just happen magically by itself the caterers the flowers the uh the pastor or whoever um, they don't just magically appear, you know, your guests don't just magically appear uh, unlike like in the movies. It takes planning. Mm-hmm. So does it mean like when you plan for your wedding date, it's not romantic? 
So I get them to, you know, invite them to reframe uh, that and also to appreciate like where their partner is coming from. Uh, but having said all that, I actually have had clients who are spontaneous, who have actually said this to their partner who needs planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you put it on your calendar, but don't tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, you put it on your calendar. You remind yourself. Yeah. You put yourself in the space. You approach me. I'll be ready. Just, <laughs> just don't tell me you have planned it. Right. Yeah. So I have clients like that as well, and you know whatever rocks their boat, I I don't really care. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm there to facilitate the the discussion, you know, and for them to figure their way uh, back to themselves. Right. Yeah. That does sound like a pretty good workaround, actually. (laughs) Not telling the other person about it. Um, How can these routines maybe help with um, a relationship that has turned sour? Mm, I think when things, um, okay, so when things turn sour, what happens is uh, people start to become really tentative. They may end up second guessing themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know, like, whether I'm doing the right thing. So this is where the, the routines that have already been pre-established uh, will help to anchor the relationship. Like mm-hmm. um, instead of going opposite ends, uh, there's, there's still something that holds them together. And um, a, rela- a relationship is not just full of, you know, a bit of roses. There are ups and downs. And sometimes one person... Uh, is more affected than the other and then sometimes it swaps so having this routine will still keep the bond uh, between the couple going so I would say it's it's really important to uh, keep them going even when you don't feel like it mm-hmm. yeah definitely I feel like it can be difficult to even raise this conversation though with your partner like if that's something that you want to do how do you go about doing that um, well, I think the best way is to just ask and to ask in a form of a question, uh, not a demand. So something along the lines of, um, hey, um, I have an idea. Uh, I would really like it if we can uh, kiss uh, every day before we go to work as a way to say I love you and uh, take care, have a good day. Mm-hmm. Is that okay with you? Can we try it and see how that makes us feel? Mm-hmm. So it's as simple as having an idea and just putting it out there and uh, making it in the form of an invitation rather than a demand. Yeah, I would imagine that would still raise some questions though. Like I feel like some people might not respond as well. They might think, oh, do you think there's something wrong <laughs> in the relationship? But it might just be as simple as, simple as like wanting physical intimacy of some yeah. kind. So I, I think there's a lot of beauty uh, in expressing our desires. Mm-hmm. So making it clear is not, not so much a demand or not so much a neediness, um, but more of a, this is something that feels really, really good for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so once you've put in your request and you've gotten gotten your request fulfilled i think it's really important to uh, validate your partner to acknowledge their effort like you know extending themselves and uh, so this is like the gift that keeps giving because uh, why would your partner even extend themselves in any shape or form other than to make you happy so if they have fulfilled your request they want to see your happiness so for you to be able to reflect that back to them is a form of validation and this is the gift that keeps giving because they know they're on the right track. It makes you feel happy. So then they're more likely to do it as opposed to forcing someone to do it uh, out of like desperation or neediness. Mm. Yeah. Always framing it as a request as opposed to, um, 
you know, I need this in order for us to work out. Yeah. I think a lot of my clients, they just hate being told what to do. And mm-hmm. uh, when they are told what to do, uh, like example, like take out the trash, uh, it makes them feel like the, uh, it makes them feel like they're being talked to by their moms and uh, they might um, resist that, not because there's anything, um, you know, they have personally against taking out the trash, but I think it's the tone and the manner that you speak. So when you we speak, um, regardless of uh, gender or sexual orientation now, uh, when we speak in the form of a request and we give people options um, and uh, we even speak in a way that is lighthearted and a bit detached, then it goes, it, it, it's, it's a lot more inviting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, what would you recommend, you know, a couple, maybe they're listening to this, um, they have decided that they want a routine. How do they begin? Um, yeah, I just thought um, um, maybe like brainstorming by yourself and then uh, mention it with your partner and say, hey, you know, I would. I hear of people doing these routines. I hear of couples being stronger because of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that we have uh, uh, different uh, touch points in the day to uh, stay connected. Uh, I think this will make me feel really, really uh, good and uh, be more receptive to sex. They love hearing that, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, and and then just uh, just just try and then uh, see how it feels, and then talk about it. Don't just do it and then like, oh yeah, we only did it three times and then we stop. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. because you didn't keep the encouragement uh, going. You didn't give any feedback or validation or. Um, uh, appreciation and so uh it's very easy to just kind of uh let that go mm-hmm. how do they figure out exactly what they want to start with like i know you mentioned that they have to look into themselves and figure it out what do they need to ask themselves just ask yourself the question uh uh what would be something that i would like my partner to do for me every day mm-hmm. what might be something small that i would like every day from my partner that's a pretty good place to start i'm sure that would involve yeah. a lot of thinking for some people though i don't think that's as simple yeah as... and and also not overthink not overthink mm-hmm. right i think a lot of uh, relationship modeling we actually learn or pick up from the movies mm-hmm. uh you know when uh, you see people meet up with their friends they always hug so then you know then i tried one day and suddenly my relationship with my friends changed and we started hugging all the time. <laughs> so yeah, you see like, oh, okay, in that movie, they hug their friends. So it's, it seems like a good idea. So yeah, so that's that's actually how it started with my friends. <laughs> I was the one who started like hugging them because I missed them. Yeah. And then before I knew it, it actually became a regular thing in our friendship. And has it improved your friendship? or? Have, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because you know we we Asians we we we're not so like physically expressive. But once I started and broke the ice, then uh, then it became a regular part of my friendship with my different friends. That's really cool. So essentially, just finding something you like in a movie and saying, "Can we can we do this?" Yeah, you can be inspired by it and then see how it goes. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I think the only reason why we'll continue something is if it feels good. Mm-hmm. yeah that definitely makes sense and also if you feel like it feels good for the other person as well it has to be a two-way street um yes. 
All right. So I guess we've talked a lot about couples routines and sexual routines and how they work, but I wanted to get a bit specific and talk about a specific practice or habit that our listeners at home might be able to um, begin if they wanted to get into couples routines. So what is something that you would do perhaps to manage um, your routines effectively? Manage? (laughs) I don't know. So in terms of, you know, what is a practice that you might do to manage a couple's sexual routine effectively? Manage. Um, I think just ask for it. And if it doesn't happen, to remind your partner. Uh, let's say, for instance, uh, um, a sexual routine could be um, after sex, we always cuddle. Mm-hmm. Uh, after sex, we always cuddle and talk a lot about how it was for us. Uh, that could be a sexual routine. So I guess I, I, I also know of couples, uh, no sex if you don't shower. So oh, wow. their sexual routine is shower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, in fact, many, many of my clients, they insist on their partner showering before sex. So, right before sex? Wouldn't it make more sense yeah, to do yeah, it yeah, afterwards? Yeah. I mean, no, I... I'm telling you, uh, some of my clients are very uh, sensitive with the smell. Right. Um, you know, after a hard day's work, their partner has perspired. So they just don't want to touch their partner with that, um, I guess, sweat on them or things like that. So yes, there are people who are a lot more um, sensitive to smell. So, you know, all respect to them. uh, But that is a a sexual routine uh, by itself. Mm -hmm. Is there a specific routine that you have found clients tend to gravitate towards or perhaps you have gravitated towards in your life that has really helped you? Sexual routine? Couple routine, sexual routine, either way. Couple, sexual routine. I think, um, of course, uh, as a sexologist, I read about it. and But before I read about it, I actually was doing it and it just felt good. And uh, so I just kept doing it, which is uh, to, um, after sex, to... Uh, cuddle, (laughs) cuddle after sex. Mm -hmm. So immediately after sex, when the person that I'm with would have ejaculated, um, uh, sometimes they get very fixated with cleaning up Mm -hmm. uh, and I let them clean up, but then I clean up. um, But regardless of when the cleaning up happens, uh, I will always try to ask for a little bit of cuddling after sex because cuddling after sex uh, produces oxytocin and uh, orgasm uh, brings up intense emotions and shifts energy in your body. So it feels really grounding uh, to hug and uh, to just kind of breathe together a little bit. And uh, it's also very nice when they drift off to sleep um and just before they sleep uh I, I i like to like talk a little bit about how it was for them like get a bit of feedback or validation uh <laughs> so yeah i love i love that part about the after sex um some people call it the aftercare yeah um and uh if you are going for like a one night stand or like friends with benefits situation uh, these situations may not happen because if you don't talk about it before, it's not like going to happen because you didn't. Mm-hmm. They may not have cons- you may not have considered or put it into the session as part of the entire session. You know, a lot of people just think of this cuddling as like too emotional or I don't want to 
get like emotional entanglements. But if this is something that's important to you and you like it, I think it's really important to talk about it upfront. Mm-hmm. And I think like like you said, after you orgasm, there's a lot of like hormones swimming around in your brain and something like cuddling just helps kind of stabilize it a little bit and you can wait it out until your brain kind of gets back to normal. Yes. Regardless of uh, what it is, uh, whether it's uh, whatever kind of arrangement, whether it's a fling uh, or with a long-term partner, the the thing is that um, some people, if their partner just ups and leaves, uh, they can actually be left feeling used and feeling empty. Mm-hmm. And so if, if, you know, if you've had that feeling and it doesn't feel good, then it's really important to ask for what you need. And uh, make it clear, it's not about me clinging onto you or like wanting something out of you is actually something that I need for myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What are kind of three good things you would say about this routine of like cuddling after sex? Oh, so good. Um, it's, it's a, a, a first thing is, is bonding. It, it makes you all feel closer regardless of whether you choose to talk about talk or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, that physical act itself uh, is bonding uh, next is uh, very um, relaxing. It helps to calm down your nervous system, like just being having a moment to just uh, let all the sensations and emotions like just kind of be grounded. Uh, the next thing is like it's, it's a form of self-care. Like you take care of yourself by like asking for what you need, uh, if that's what you like. If you don't like it, you know, your partner doesn't care for it, then fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that uh, sex is something that is precious. Uh, we don't have to like rush, rush to go on to the next new thing. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to, uh, after an orgasm, like to just kind of take it a little bit easy and just calm down and hug a little bit. And you never know, right? You might come up with like your next book idea <laughs> um, because sex actually brings about uh, inspiration and creativity. Uh, right. Sex opens up our chakras and uh, helps us uh, see God and feel one with the universe. So you never know that uh, by just rushing and uh, to shower or, or something like that, you might miss your next masterpiece, right? <laughs> so that's why I think like the cuddling and everything like <laughs> is, is, it can be very useful. I love that. Make sure you come after sex so that you can get your next book published. That's so cool. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, sex, sex is inspiration. Sex is beautiful. Sex is pleasure. Sex is magical. Um, and uh, not everybody feels that way about sex, and uh, but the the infinite possibilities are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Are there kind of you mentioned already? There are issues with you know if you're seeing a casual partner or one night stand or friends with benefits kind of situation, maybe cuddling after sex isn't always a viable option. What are kind of the other cha- challenges that there might be with someone who might want this but can't have it for some reason? can have cuddling well yeah for whatever reason their partner uh, doesn't feel comfortable with it or maybe they feel too yes. vulnerable bringing it up yeah so it's uh it's really important then to ask yourself what you can do for yourself instead mm-hmm. whether it's to uh maybe like drink some tea you know to calm yourself down or to soothe yourself it could be hugging yourself it could be uh rolling under the blankets and just uh, doing some uh, self-soothing or self, some self-talk, like uh, it's not personal, it's not about you. Uh, things like uh, you're beautiful, you're so sexy, that was so amazing. 
and just a breathing and uh, basking in the afterglow of sex for yourself, by yourself. Uh, these are all possibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of just that positive self-talk to make sure that you're giving yourself the aftercare that someone else isn't. Um, yeah, that person is not in the position to give it to you. The person is not willing to give it to you. You cannot force them to give you what they don't want to give you, but you can definitely take charge of what you can give to yourself. Mm-hmm. So you have already asked for it. Good job. Well done. You asked for it. The person is not willing. Don't take it personal. Now it's uh, important to ask yourself what you can do for yourself to make yourself feel good and uh, to continue see- seeing yourself as the worthy, uh, lovable person that you are. Mm-hmm. I love that. Would you, you talked about, you know, making time for sex. Would you schedule this in as well? Would you make sure that there was time specifically for this? And how how long would you, would you say is a starting number to give it? Do you mean the aftercare? Yes. Yeah, um, it, it really depends on the person. Uh, it can be as short as uh, five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be half an hour, one hour. Um it just needs to feel complete uh, for yourself. Uh, some people, they might want to take the day easy. Uh, so that's the benefit of planning sex because you can plan it such that you continue to bust in the afterglow afterwards, mm-hmm. like, you know, the next day. Take it easy, you know, like go for a walk or stroll by the beach, mm-hmm. things like that to uh, kind of still carry the positive effects of uh of sex and having had uh orgasm Mm -hmm. and especially if you do it kind of earlier in the day you can always spend plan to spend the rest of the day together as well yeah whether it's on the weekend uh some people like to journal you know this is where you can you know uh start working on your masterpiece (laughs) things like that no i'm serious (laughs) it's just like uh i i i can see i can definitely see it happening i've just never considered it before like i've never considered orgasms as a kind of creativity spark now that you mention it my mind is kind of blown (laughs) yeah um it's pretty common like um people who do energy work um um spiritual sexual healers teachers uh one of my teacher her name is uh laurie handler uh, she's a older tantra teacher uh she said she she masturbated through every single one of her books so yeah. she would <laughs> infuse her book with orgasmic energy right and um words carry energy and uh, there is definitely a quality of uh, specialness uh, in her book, uh, Sex and Happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I might, I don't know if I should say if I would try it or not, but maybe I'll give it a go. Um, do you feel like, how, how do you feel like this practice might impact someone's perception on life? How do you feel like it might change you? Or how has it changed uh, you if it has? What, uh, the after... Yeah, cuddling after sex, yeah. Um, just having more patience and compassion and love for myself. Mm-hmm. I think we rush. Uh, we rush. Mm. We, <laughs> we do. rush through life. Uh, okay, orgasm. Okay, that's it. Let's move on to the next thing. Chop, chop. Um, and uh, not everything has to be such a rush. Uh, so... And it's easy to say that, but it's hard to do. So for me, I've had to uh, uh, tell myself this again and again. Uh, life is not a race, it's a journey. Life is a journey. And I've actually 
even said this to myself several times, like, matter, what's the freaking rush? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so over time and practice, uh, yes, I have mellowed down as I got older because if I just keep rushing and rushing and rushing and uh, keep fo- focusing on being like hyper productive, mm-hmm. um, I'm actually frying myself, you know, uh, I'm actually bringing myself to an early death, literally. Mm-hmm. So by taking care of myself, ourselves and enjoying uh, life for what it is, whether it's, um, whether it's um, before sex, whether it's after sex, mm-hmm. um, it's really important. Um, you know, also like women, you know, uh, who have given birth, right? Rushing to get their bodies back in shape. Yeah. Um, there's a time and place for everything. Life is a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, people who have, um, you know, gone through, let's say COVID or people who have been uh, gone through like terminal illnesses or cancer. Um, you know, it's so painful when I hear people saying things like, oh yeah, get well soon. What if this person cannot get well? And they have to live with cancer and continue fighting with cancer. Words like oh, get well soon, you know, uh, assuming there's only a sick or sick or well, you know. Mm-hmm. What if there's like a whole spectrum around sick and not well? Mm-hmm. So things like that, like being patient with ourselves and so like not rushing through life. So I think that, that um, so yeah, there is a lot of learning that we can learn uh, through uh, orgasms because uh, it helps us to maybe take a pause and maybe even reflect on our lives. Uh, this is another reason why I like my periods because every menstruation, no matter what I want to do, like my body is telling me I want to curl out and just sleep. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. So I actually, I actually schedule my life around my menstruation so that I'm working with my body and not against my body. Yeah, I think it can be really hard sometimes because as women, we're taught to kind of push through our periods no matter how much pain and stress, like for me, my, I don't get cramps per se, but my entire body kind of feels like falling apart um, once a month. And it's kind of crazy how we have to push through it. We're expected to push through it. Um, I'm so grateful that, uh, you know, I work for myself so I can uh, schedule my time uh, to a certain extent. So yes, because my work is energy, you know, I give energy, support clients, give hope, um, you know, hold people to a higher uh, space. And uh, so all my work is energy. So I have to work on myself so that I can be at optimum shape for them. So it's really important sometimes to do less and not to do too much because when I'm exhausted, I'm not doing my best for my clients. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's really important for me to uh, look at my menstruation and to block out my time and to be gentle with myself so that I have more to give to my clients. Um, and um, it is my responsibility uh, because this is very much linked to my work. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, going back to cuddling after sex, you mentioned that you know some people need like an hour to kind of get back to normal and relax and fully experience it. That's a lot of time, I think, in today's world. But when you reframe it that way, when you reframe it as forcing yourself to take a break and forcing yourself to relax, it makes a lot of sense that it would be like an hour. Yeah. And uh, who is to say like in that hour, um, you know, the energies are integrating and you are, you know, um, having all kinds of amazing uh, thoughts or visions coming up. And uh, then if your body needs it, you can take a nap. <laughs> That's all right. 
Yeah, for sure. I definitely feel that taking a nap. <laughs> that that was a really important one for me. Um, do you have kind of any recommendations of a habit that you would combine? Um, you know, we talked earlier about scheduling sex and then also scheduling the aftercare afterwards. Is there kind of is is that something that you have often recommended to clients? Is that a combination that you often give them? Yeah, I do. Um, I recommend this especially to my clients who are busy mothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they give so much to their family, um, and uh, and being mothers, of course, they want the best for their children. Of course. Um, and uh, what happens a lot of times is. Uh, they start to lose themselves. They don't know who they are anymore. They don't know what they like. They don't take care of themselves physically. They don't dress up. So I actually uh, strongly encourage them to do something uh, every day for themselves, whether it's 10 minutes, just a routine. Because again, uh, coming back to routines, uh, routines are very stabilizing. What happens is um, our mind and body actually really starts to look forward to that routine. Mm-hmm. Because if, if every day is different, it actually is super stressful on your body. Mm-hmm. But when you have that one thing that is at the same time every day doing the same thing, it might sound so boring, but actually your body will start to crave it. Yeah, it's kind of developing an appetite for it almost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it's chaos. Mm-hmm. It's chaos. When everything is different all the time, you might think, oh, I'm a spontaneous people person. It's not a big deal. Um, that's not what it was when we were kids. Yeah, Kids need routine. So we grew up with routines. <laughs> so suddenly you're an adult and you think you don't need routine. <laughs> you get what I'm trying to say? So why not try and see what difference your life would be if you had some routine? So uh, by extension, then couple routine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, feeling connected and stabilizing each other and also yourselves. Uh, because... The routine uh, stabilizes you as a couple, but it also stabilizes you as a person. So you're doing it uh, for your partner, but you're also doing it for your relationship, also doing it for yourself. Yeah, definitely. It's like a self-care act, but it's also a bonding act at the same time. Precisely. We've got a lot of questions uh, from the audience on this topic. Um, They're pretty curious about this. Uh, most of them boil down to would it negatively or positively affect um, your libido, which I think we've kind of already discussed um, yeah. quite a lot. Yes. So it's different for different people. I think uh, if your partner is bringing it up, like it's boring, it's not working for them, mm-hmm. um, it might be a sign that they are a person who is not so into routine. Uh, and maybe they are getting their routine uh, with you uh, in other areas and they just want sex to be more different and it's okay too. So when I work with club couples who are one likes more variety, one likes more routine. So I would have to say, uh, I would say that then things like um, it's okay. So sometimes you do it their way and sometimes they have to do it your way. <laughs> and why not like take turns planning the sex date? Like today is my turn and this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then when it comes to your partner turn, then fine. Like you extend yourself a little bit, but of course, always with consent. So yeah. by taking turns to plan it, uh, this is when you can actually be a little bit more creative and more playful, knowing that your partner is coming to the table, like more uh, bait, more prepared. So I, I definitely am a very big uh, advocate of uh, planned sex or at least planned uh, blocked out time. 
because you can block out the time and you can also be flexible around that time and say that you know what i know we said we want to have sex but i would uh i would be okay if we did a massage first and see how we go see how we feel mm-hmm. uh, so that we don't feel the pressure that we must have sex yeah so it's just kind of blocking out that time to perhaps do yeah. something but not necessarily Blocking out the time because if you don't block it out, the, it doesn't happen, you know. For instance, like needing to arrange the babysitter or things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like you, it's almost like when you plan to meet up with people, but if you don't actually set a time, no one's actually going to make it and it never happens. Yeah, precisely. Do you, what are kind of the ways that couples can deal with the pressure? if there's kind of more pressure on one partner than another because of these routines? Do the pressure, just just be honest and speak up and um, try to get on the same page. I think uh, the pressure, pressure actually comes from within yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, pressure to give when you have nothing to give, no energy to give, pressure of like not doing good enough. And a lot of it is actually our own stuff. A lot of it is our own stuff. It usually has nothing to do with our partner. Mm -hmm. So that's why I say like being able to talk about it with your partner is very important so that they have the opportunity to give you a reply instead of you second guessing and uh, putting words into their mouth. Uh, They didn't say that, but you're assuming certain things of them. And then that becomes your reality. And that can can lead to um, misunderstandings that, can be totally unnecessary. So I think it's really important to just be as honest as you can with your partner. Um, Both of you like making a commitment that um, uh, life is too short to be second guessing. Uh, If I ever have a doubt or question or uh, pressure, like I'm just going to bring it up to you and Mm -hmm. I leave it to you to give me a reply, but I'd rather not be spending time, uh, you know, in the dark, like questioning myself or second guessing. Uh, That's just exhausting. Yeah. For sure. Don't we get enough of that at work already? <laughs> yeah. And I feel like communication is probably the most important aspect of any relationship. Like if you're not communicating, then you, not even a routine is going to help you, I think. Yeah. And um, yeah, this uh, second guessing is really a big killer mm-hmm. uh, of our mental energy um, and also, of course, uh, uh, inability to let go of the past. <laughs> People bringing up baggage. Like instead of one fight, they bring up the fight from like 10 years ago and, you know, try to solve it, uh, like, you know, at the same time, it's just not going to (laughs) work. Some people just hold grudges, but I think it's important for anyone who holds a grudge to talk it out um, in order to let it go. Yeah, it's important to talk it out and it's important to do it one at a time and it's important to talk it out with the intent of uh, fixing something or healing something or learning something so that both of you can be stronger for it, not with the intent to attack or win uh, the fight. Uh, uh, you know, like uh, when, you know, when the team hurts, then the team loses, right? So yeah. it's, 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 it's not about you winning or anything like that. And uh, this is when I really suggest for my clients who keep having the same fights to uh, seek uh, counseling. Mm-hmm. Maybe setting aside time to communicate with each other and talk to each other about their problems is also a form of a routine that people yes. can employ. Yes. Uh, I have a few uh, fight fair uh, tips. So uh, it includes scheduling time to talk about it. Don't just spring it at your partner at 2 a.m. in the morning. That's not going to end well. Uh, Definitely so not well time, cuddling after sex. <laughs> yeah. So scheduling time 
um, scheduling time, um, being uh, coming to the uh, table, um, both willing to uh, uh, really uh, have a way forward, uh, having uninterrupted uninterrupted time, like your partner being able to complete what they are saying, so that they don't feel short circuited, and then they keep going back to what they wanted to say before you cut them off. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to have scheduled time, uninterrupted time, equal time to speak, uh, and also uh, at any point being able to have a timeout. A timeout is not sweeping things under carpet. A timeout is not right now, later. And then when you say later, then when, and then being able to really uh, resolve it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, So moving on to another audience question. Uh, When couples are deciding to have a sexual routine, how do they start? Do they start with something small or is there another way? Yeah, I can start with something small. And um, different people actually view anniversaries and birthdays different. So those are the big ones that uh, definitely needs to be on the calendar. Mm-hmm. So some people will be like, I don't want to celebrate my birthday. Do not celebrate my birthday. Do not give me a present. Whereas uh, some people will be like, like, I have a friend who's like that, mm-hmm. you know, um, he insisted that his children uh, do something for him on his on, on Father's Day. Right, yeah. I do so much for you. I don't want anything. <laughs> I expect something on Father's Day. Yeah. Not even his birthday, Father's Day. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, okay. Uh, good luck to your kids. They must remember that or else. I do like, prefer a... that though. I feel like you know, ex- you know exactly what they want when they're that honest with yeah, you. Yeah. So that by itself is a routine. Mm. And I think that birthdays and anniversaries are things that even if we don't necessarily value them, we're kind of taught to. So we naturally tend to create routines or at least make events out of those anyway. Yeah, you might not value it, but your partner does. And if you honour your partner, love your partner, then it's not about you. It's really about respecting where they are coming from. Do your best to understand where they're coming from. And uh, I think the resentment or pressure uh, is more likely to uh, just, you know, just slide off your back. Mm. I don't think it should even be um, a point of resentment. I feel if you're resenting celebrating someone's birthday or not celebrating someone's birthday, then that might be a sign of something a bit more serious. Yeah, I think some people are selfish, you know. I'm not into it, so I'm not going to do it. That's not how it is. Mm. It's about what they want. Definitely. Um, That kind of brings us to the end of the audience questions. There weren't a lot, but unfortunately they were all kind of the same thing. Um, I want to move on now to the open mic. Um, and we've talked, you, you wanted to talk about what routines people do for sex drive. And you also wanted to talk about something called the cure. What exactly is that? Explain all of that to me. The what? The cure. Oh, yes. Um, okay. So um uh, like to uh, share about this uh, tool called the Triangular Theory of Love. So for long-term relationships to thrive, uh, not just be okay, to thrive, Mm -hmm. uh, think of it as a triangle uh, with like three pillars uh, at the edge of each triangle, the edge of each triangle. Okay, anyway, the three pillars of a triangle. (laughs) So uh, the first pillar would be commitment. And most of my clients in long-term relationships uh, are in committed relationships, uh, you know, married, for instance. And then the next pillar is intimacy. So uh, routines uh, would fall under intimacy because they make you all feel closer. Uh, 
So uh, talking uh, creates intimacy. Going on regular dates creates intimacy. And then the third uh, leg uh, pillar of the triangle is, uh, is often lacking in most long-term relationships that I've seen. So by the time they come and see me, they will say things to me like, I'm in love with my partner, but I'm not in love with my partner. I'm in love, but not in love. Right. Uh, I love, but I'm not like having those butterfly feelings anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why, but I feel something is missing in the relationship. I don't know what it is. I love my partner so much. So what happens is uh, familiarity breeds contempt. You get so familiar with something, you get used to it, you take it for granted, you go into comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So what happens in this triangular theory of love is that this is what a lot of couples have and they know they have and they think that that's all they need, but it's not true. So it's not enough to have commitment. It's not enough to have intimacy. The third leg of the third uh, pillar of this triangular theory of love is passion. Mm -hmm. passion so just now we talked about being spontaneous we talked about variety we talked about people into excitement so that all falls under this uh, pillar called passion so the cure the cure for the routines that we're talking about is that there's nothing wrong with routines per se but beyond routines like what else is there uh you know to grow from right Mm -hmm. because life is not about just staying stagnant some people like to stay stagnant um, but what happens is opposites attract what if your partner is somebody who is a little bit more creative or playful or a person of variety and a person who is more inclined towards feeling alive and having passion so i just want to introduce some words uh, in alignment with uh, the word passion so some of my clients don't understand what passion means. So I say passion is uh, is anything that makes you feel alive. So you can say passion, aka, uh, is exciting. Anything that's exciting, uh, things that are exciting can involve uh, involve a change, uh, can involve going to the unknown. So going to the unknown is scary, but it is exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also uh, the element of the forbidden. Things that you maybe uh, always wanted to do, but don't dare to say, don't dare to try, don't know how to say. Uh, once you go into the forbidden, it is uh, actually fueling the exciting and fueling your passion. And so it is important to bring that into the relationship as well. Is this um, passion that I something that I want for myself? Uh, or is this something that we do as a couple? So for instance, some people get a lot from um, bungee jumping, uh, or scuba diving or learning fencing, uh, regardless of what it is, doing something for yourself, whatever you do for yourself, uh, make, making yourself feel good, happy, uh, more whole as a person, you are actually increasing that vitality and bringing that energy back into the relationship. So ultimately, mm-hmm. it does uh, change the re- relationship dynamics and it can make your relationship better for it. So working on yourself can improve your relationship. When you change your partner, your the dynamics in your relationship can also change. So taking responsibility for the way you feel, your excitement, your zest for life uh, does help your relationship. So I guess this is the cure that I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like when you worded it that way, it feels so obvious that passion is such an important thing, but we're kind of told that we don't need it. I mean, there's that term, the honeymoon phase. Um, yeah. And everyone's like, the honeymoon phase dies. It's meant to. Yeah, so the problem is that when the honeymoon phase dies, uh, this is a biological sensation. But what do we do to nurture, cultivate, and guard our passion? Mm-hmm. If we don't do it, then obviously the flame dies. It's much, it's much harder, right, to uh, get the fire going when the fire has gone out. Yeah. 
So is it easier to just keep the fire going by being aware? So this was why I wanted to uh, bring that uh, to today's uh, session. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I feel like we forget sometimes that remaining passionate, like you said, we have to like take responsibility for it. It's a lot of work. It's not just, yeah. it doesn't just happen. So sometimes we don't realize this uh, when, uh, you know, like with COVID, with stress of life and things like that, uh, we become very stressed. Uh, we, uh, people can become depressed, can become burnt out and can become cynical and uh, jaded about life. And uh, that's when, you know, uh, the passion in yourself goes out. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that definitely uh, starts to affect the relationship. So guarding your own passion and guarding the passion uh, within your relationship uh, are parts of uh, being and staying alive to be your best self uh, so that you can go on to produce uh, masterpieces, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. For sure. Um, I think that's a really good note to end on and a really good thing to remind our listeners of. Um, where can we find you? Where can we learn more about you? Yes, uh, so you can find me at erscoaching.com. And do you have a Twitter? Uh, or... Oh, yes, I have every, I have everything. I have Twitter, I have Facebook, I have YouTube, I have Instagram, I have TikTok. So at the moment, my TikTok, oh, TikTok uh, is TikTok the too. biggest one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my TikTok is the biggest one at the moment, uh, biggest channel. Uh, a lot of people are following me on TikTok. Okay, right. So definitely check it. Is, is that the same handle as well, Eros? Uh. Uh, I think it's my name. Yeah. So it's DR Martha Lee. Martha Lee. Okay, cool. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today, Martha. It's been amazing to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you. Uh, It's been great fun. And uh, you have uh, been such a great host asking really good questions. Thank you. So uh, thank you very much. I've been really curious about this topic. So it's been really fun. Yeah, it's been fun. You've been listening to Reliscope, the Relationship Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. For more episodes like this from 10 different life management perspectives, search LMSL on YouTube, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts, so you can get updated on everything we have to offer. We have a wide range of topics readily available for you to check out. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating our show, sharing it, and subscribing to our channel, as it helps us grow and bring you more quality resources. More of our work can be found at re.lmsl.net, where you can join our movement. I'm Aditi Kuti. Thanks for tuning in.